welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. I love holidays, celebrations, and important calendar events. And this love has grown over the years to the point that these special events are a major part of my year. Now, I've tried to pull together various literature, hadith, du'ats, etc. regarding all of these special days. So this Islamic year, and at the time of this recording, I'm referencing the year 1440, I will do my best to compile these notes and suggestions per event and upload an episode that can be used as a reference guide. So I pray for infinite blessings and happiness for all of these events for all of you. Take care. I hope everyone is doing well. So when I decided to produce this mini sub-series of the podcast of Islamic holidays and celebrations, calendar events, etc., I had to make some decisions, of course, because if I was very liberal in my approach, I would have ended up you know, almost every other day there could be some sort of historical event. So that's that's not going to be possible. Uh, and when it comes to today's episode dedicated to the commemoration of the Battle of Bedr, which took place on the 17th of Ramadan, this was one of those decisions. And the reason I decided to include this, a few, a few reasons. Number one, there are many uh, verses in the Qur'an that speak about the Battle of Bedr, and there are entire chapters and large sections of surahs, chapters, that also speak and were revealed as a result of the Battle of Bedr. In addition, it is a turning point, a massive turning point in the early history uh, of Islam. So while there were many, many other battles that took place throughout the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, this was the most decisive for reasons that we will talk about briefly. And number three, the real meta reason why I want to make this Uh, all of these posts about calendar events is I want to encourage people to keep some sort of liturgical calendar. So I think if we can keep the events to a little bit less than 20 per year, I think that that's realistic that people can keep these events. And keep in mind that a lot of the events that I discuss, the, the liturgy behind it or the devotional acts or the things that, you know, I recommend people do, they don't take that much time. You know, sometimes it's like 10, 15 minutes. And this will be one of those one of those times. So even though twenty might sound like a lot, you know, which would be roughly almost two events per month, it's not like every event is very elaborate. So I think to keep a liturgical calendar, uh, that makes sense. So there are some things I left out. I know that I left them out, but this is one of the events that I decided to keep in because of how important it is. Having said that, Ramadan in general historically in Islamic history, is the month of conquest. So not only did the Battle of Bedr take place in Ramadan, 
which by the way was the first Ramadan that the, the Muslim community fasted, but also the conquest of Mecca that took place at the end of the Prophet's life, وسلم, that also took place during the month of Ramadan, and beyond, Tariq bin Ziyad opening the Andalus, Andalusia, that took place in the month of Ramadan, uh, Salah al-Din recapturing Jerusalem, that took place in the month of Ramadan, Ain Jalut uh, thwarting the Mongol invasion, uh, that you know, stopping the Mongol invasion into the heartland of the Muslim world that also took place during Ramadan, and so on and so forth. I mean, one can can go on. You know, there are so dozens and dozens and do, dozens of these military type of uh, excursions and events that took place during the month of Ramadan. So Ramadan, rightfully, can be thought of as the month of conquest. And as a matter of fact, on the occasion of the conquest of Mecca, which which by the way, even though it took place in the month of Ramadan. It was bloodless. It wasn't like a military engagement or a battle. The chapter of Al-Fatih, the opening, is largely revealed up to, to in regards to that event. And, and that's like the best tie-in, that this is the month of opening, of conquest, etc. Now when I say that, and I, and I look to the past and I, and I cite these things in the past. I'm just trying to make a reference point so people understand uh, they can make the association between Ramadan and conquest. But, but when it comes to us now moving forward and individually, the real conquest, conquest that we are after is the conquest of ourselves, the greater jihad. Al-Jihad al-Akbar, as the Prophet Sallallahu referred to it. So I'm just you know, trying to make some historical references so people can have something that they can easily imagine. But the real conquest is we want to conquer ourselves. And I was thinking, you know, why, why is it the month of conquest? You know, why do all of these great historical events take place in the month of Ramadan? It's not a coincidence. I mean, once, twice, okay. But, you know, dozens and dozens of times and events throughout different epochs of our history, there's got to be something else. It's not a coincidence. And I really think it is this, that fasting is the ultimate form of discipline and to be victorious in anything to be successful in anything you must have discipline you wake up earlier than you usually are accustomed to to have the suhoor you begin the day fasting you forego what you usually take you have to continue with your work with your school with your activities you delay what you're eating you, you eat less in general because there's only so many calories you can squeeze in after Maghrib before Fajr. Uh, a lot of us go to the mosque and pray extra almost on a daily basis. We're getting less sleep. All of that takes discipline. It's not one day. It's not two days. It's not a week, but it's an entire month. You know, after a few days of doing something, when, you, when you're looking at something over several weeks or a month, that's a big institution. And to be disciplined to do that Every day, day in, day out, for the 29 or 30 days that Ramadan is, that's a tremendous amount of discipline. And any type of venture that you engage in in your life, that you hope for, inshallah, for success, the key to that success is always going to be discipline. And because this is the month in which we are so disciplined, inshallah, in our fasting, therefore it lends to other types of conquest. And I think that's the secret of it. And that's why I think it's worth talking a little bit about the Battle of Badr and what it means. So, the Battle of Badr. Uh, this is not going to be a play-by-play. -play. You know, you can look into the seerah uh, and, uh, and check out the details. But it is to say that we were grossly outnumbered, putting it lightly. You know, the Prophet ﷺ was, there were 312, 313 Muslims. Uh, 
a mix of the uh, Meccans and the Medanese Muslims against about 1,300 of Quraysh. So if you were there, if you were amongst those 313 uh, companions, you probably almost had certainty that that was going to be the last day of your life. And that's how serious it was. And, and, and you, you have to take into consideration that Badr is by Medina. So this is not you know some battle way off in the yonder. This is basically right, right outside of the gates of Medina, not, not too far away from the city. And were they to lose, were the Muslims to lose, that would have been the end of everything. And as a matter of fact, on the battle line, after the Prophet Sallallahu organized the army, got everyone in formation, you know, that he, 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 he carved up the army into five different units, you know, he, he strategized as best as he could. He, he turned to the heavens and he said to Allah, uh, meaning, uh, if we perish, you will not be worshipped ever on this earth. And that's how serious the stakes were. It was really a battle between belief and disbelief, not just for the peninsula, not just for that part of the world, but globally. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ was trying to say. If, if we are not spared, then there will be nobody to convey this you know, pure monotheism that we follow and therefore will not be able to teach people how to access it. The stakes were very, very high. And notice in that statement, the Prophet ﷺ is not talking about worldly concerns. You know, He's not talking about, uh, I want a military victory so we can go out down in history and our names will be you know, etched in stone and all that kind of stuff. He, he wasn't talking about that. He was simply talking about faith. And the, and the Muslims were persecuted from the time of the revelation up until this time. And then it continues in the life of the Prophet. ﷺ. They were persecuted solely for their belief. And it uh, you know, boggles the mind that unfortunately, even today, there are people that are persecuted because of their beliefs, which is completely unacceptable. Anybody's belief, anybody who has any type of belief, they should feel free to practice that belief as long as that doesn't harm somebody else. And when Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, La ikrahifidin, there is no compulsion in religion, there is or as I like to translate it, there's no compulsion in faith. The reason is that compulsion produces hypocrisy, it doesn't produce faith. Faith is something that is personal, it comes from the inside, it, it, it stems from one's certainty in what they believe in, etc. So you can't compel someone to have that feeling. It has to come from, from within, it has to be organically grown. So that's another lesson for us to think about, you know, how people are persecuted. People in our in our own faith community, Muslims around the world persecuted, but but not just Muslims, other people of other faiths also persecuted for what they believe and what they practice. And because it was a decisive battle and because we know from the text of the Quran and from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that there were many, many miracles during the Battle of Badr, angels fighting and coming to the assistance and the support of the Muslims. The people that fought in the Battle of Badr, not just those that fell, but those that fought, they are a special subgroup amongst the companions. So even though we tend to look at the companions as one block, they're really not one block. So, for example, there are the ten uh, who are promised paradise. That's a special group. There are the Muhajirun, you know, the, the refugees that came from Mecca. That's a special group. There's the Ansar, the, the, the Aus and the Khazraj of Medina. That's another group, subgroup. The family of the Prophet, Ahlul Bayt, another subgroup, so on and so forth. So another subgroup, or a special subgroup rather, are the people that fought in the Battle of Badr. And later in, in the Sira, when, when some of the people that participated in Badr made a mistake, and some of the companions were upset. The Prophet ﷺ turned to them and said, Leave them alone. They are the people of Badr. And you do not know 
maybe Allah glanced at the people of Badr and said to them, do what you want, you are forgiven. That's a huge statement when you think about it, that just by participating in the Battle of Badr, they were forgiven for the rest of their lives. And because of that, they are worthy of our of remembrance, they are worthy of our praise, they are worthy of our gr utmost gratitude for putting everything on the line for us to be able to receive this faith. And to that point, and this comes to the liturgy part, there's a wonderful poem called Jaliyat al-Qadr. It's translated as the removal of distress. It's recently been translated in English. I'll put uh, a link to the English version in the episode notes. This is a, you know, was written several centuries ago. As a matter of fact, it's two poems. It's one poem commemorating the people that participated in Badr and fell in Badr and also commemorating those that fell in the Battle of Uhud. So it's really like two poems in one. And my personal little practice is on the eve of the 17th of Ramadan. Uh, I like to recite this poem uh, or read it. I mean, I don't mean like recite it, like sing it. I just mean I like to read this poem as my little token, my commemoration of gratitude for the valor, the bravery, the sacrifice of those companions who stood with the Prophet Sallallahu uh, against all human odds, all statistics, all measure was against them, resources, numbers, etc. All they had was their faith. Uh, and I, it's my way of, of saying thank you and acknowledging that we stand on the sacrifice of those that came before us. And therefore, we need to push ourselves beyond our comfort zone to be able to do the things that really need to be done to restore sanity, balance, uh, happiness amongst our community and I really think that when we look back at, at these years this will almost seem like the dark ages of Islam I mean with the stuff that's happening in the name of our faith the, the level of ignorance amongst our community I mean I don't want this to be a downer but you, you know what I'm saying if you look at it as the glass is half empty it could be pretty bleak um, we need to do much more than that and I know we can do more than that. We can push ourselves just right beyond our comfort zone to achieve the things that need to be achieved. So on this eve, whether it's you read some of the verses in the Qur'an about the Battle of Badr, or you read uh, a chapter in a seerah book about the Battle of Badr, or like what I like to do is read this poem to remember their names, uh, those heroes who have fallen, uh, I really encourage you to just take a few minutes out. Again, this is not going to take you longer than 10 uh, to 15 minutes. It's a great practice to keep. Uh, it would even be nice to do it as a family or as a community. But it's a great practice to keep so we can exercise that acknowledgement. Sometimes we just need to practice saying thank you and acknowledging uh, the past, acknowledging the sacrifice of the past, and then connecting ourselves with our own history. I think that's also really important. So again, just some brief thoughts on the uh, on the commemoration of the Battle of Badr. I hope people find this useful, uh, and I hope you can find a way to implement this into your own practice. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.